up, jump up, get down. Back with a bang. It's the State of Combat on CBS Sports with the Brian Campbell, the podcast, the only one you need in the combat space. Back in your life, back in your ear hole, back to inject you with another lethal dose of that performance-enhancing audio. BC sounds a little washy right now. If you're thinking that, you would be right. It's the washed era. Welcome to the Machida era. Well, that era is pretty washy, too, although you can check him out at Madison Square Garden coming up in the Bellator main event. But uh, it's BC back from WrestleMania weekend, which had more than a few MMA crossovers there with the likes of Lesnar, Rousey, Lashley, and more. But you don't want to hear about that. I know. I know deep down in your hearts you don't because it's UFC 236 weekend in Atlanta. A very big card. Yes. Propped up with some interim titles. But man, it's going to bang. And you know the SOC gives you what you want. So this week we are giving you sit-down interviews with Max Holloway, who of course is in that main event for the interim lightweight championship against Dustin Poirier, and Kelvin Gastelum, the red-hot middleweight, will be taking on Israel Adesanya in the co-main for that interim title at 185. I am your interim host. No, I'm your full-time host and reminding you, hey, you like what you hear, pay it forward, do the five-star route thing just just do it all right you know i read ads on here your job to give back to us so we get more ads so that we have more audio so that we put our hands deeper into your fuel is to get out there and tell us you like it five star review pay it forward on an apple podcast spotify or wherever you listen to fine audio speaking of that i have tag team partners in this game and face the pain, he's coming back at you. The tall drink of water from South Florida. The man who will meet me in the ring. Three rounds of boxing exhibition with full headgear and 16-ounce gloves at some point. Or will we? We're going to find out. But he's number 65 in your scorebook and number one in your heart. He's Brandon Wise. Brando, what's happening, bro? BC, you need to face the pain because you keep putting this off and telling me, oh, I might need to fake an injury. I might do this. I might do that. I mean, come on, man. Well, you're doing yourself a disservice by working yourself into shape right now. So you're working out and working yourself because you're getting into such great shape. You're sending me pictures of you in a tank top, greased up, trying to say, I'm coming for you, bro. Look, I'm a man. Come after me. But I'm also 40. I'm a little washed. You got to try to show me that you don't have what it takes and that I'm walking into a potential situation where I can cheat a little bit and get my way ahead. Wait, so you're saying I need a tune-up fight? Is that what you're saying? No, you where need you, to... Where I don't look that good, I need to fight. I need to find myself a surf and safari like Tyson Fury did? Look, I will turn you into Mississippi mean Hick Diaz, uh, Artem Lobov the GOAT style if I have to, all right? Whatever it needs to be done, we will do this thing. Anyway, my producer is the great Mikey Mormile and the ones and twos back with us. Back with us with a bang, of course. Mikey, how is it, bro? I'm good. I'm getting Vitor... Uh, Belfort's number right now for you. He's going to start training you. Oh, yes. Mohawk TRT 2013 style? Oh, of course, TRT style. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. All right. All right, bros. Uh, we got that sound at 236. We've been off for a couple weeks. There's a lot of stuff we're going to have to get into. It's a busy time for CBS Sports, as you guys know. Friggin' March Madness. But that's not the only thing going on this week, guys. These state of combat listeners know they like combat, 
But this is also one of the best and most favorite times of the year for a sports fan because of the Masters. Yes, a tradition unlike any other. Put on that green jacket and mark out, bro, because CBS Sports is where you can find direct streaming access on your phone or computer to live coverage of the Masters all day for each round of the tournament. The coolest part in this, listen up here, is that you can choose between four different streams. Just be careful not to cross them, of course, but whatever you want to watch, the featured groups of the day, follow the field as they come through Amen Corner or holes 15 and 16, or see top golfers getting ready for the round on the practice range. You get inside access. You choose the stream that you're going to watch. We've been looking forward to this week since the last green jacket was rewarded so you really don't want to miss a second of the action. The best part here, guys. You ready? You know how much this thing costs? It's free. No need to pay a subscription or have an expensive cable, cable package to watch. So why don't you do this? Download the CBS Sports app on your phone or visit cbssports.com slash Masters First Cut today. And while you are there, be sure to tune in and watch our friend, CBS Sports' own Kyle Porter on CBS Sports HQ as he delivers analysis of the Masters. It's our free 24-hour sports news network where he will be reporting live from Augusta National all week long. Tell them BC sent you. Guys, what's going on in the golf this year? Who's going to win this thing? The Masters? Uh, I mean, VJ Singh me, still riding up for this? VJ Singh is still around. So is Ernie Els. You remember him? Oh, yeah. Uh, Take some hard L's, that guy. There's one There's one name that matters, Tiger. I mean, he's not going to win, though. He hasn't been the same it. since he was, uh, uh, you know, sliding in DMs, right? He's a little watered down now, a little injured. I don't know if it was sliding in DMs. It was sliding to uh, Friendly's or whatever that chain restaurant was. But anyway, he, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be him versus the field. I think that's always, like, the prop bet, and you can – Go ahead and take the field, if you ask me. I've been a valiant anti-Tiger person since he made this latest comeback. I will stand on that hill until I die. All right. Are you an anti-Connor person now that he has taken over our headlines of life, uh, forced us to drop everything and react at retirements on Twitter, getting arrested multiple times, getting into a borderline race war on Twitter with Habib Nurmagomedov, saying he wants to fight everybody, teasing that he may go into WWE. Guys, it's time to intervene now. Is Connor no longer a reliable source of uh, entertainment and believability? Is the public turning on him? Where are we at? What's going on here? So I think our buddy Jack Crosby actually described this the best today when he said that Connor McGregor's Twitter account has become like Chris Cyborg's Twitter account, <laughs> where you just kind of are at the point where it's like, all right, whatever you say, buddy, sure. Yeah, you can have all of these terrible opinions and terrible ideology opinions that you want, but please get them away from me. Like, I'm I'm like two minutes, two more tweets away from muting your account because you just give me nothing every time that you make these stupid remarks yeah, on Twitter. I liked like six months ago, Connor, who would watch a fight and then kind of like congratulate the winner and then kind of tease that he might want to fight that winner. That was fun, Connor. That was a guy who was utilizing social media to his benefit, to our benefit, to tease the bag just a little bit, not be that worried about getting the mess. Now he's kicking me right in the bag because there's this weird debate in, 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 and you're either looked at as too soft or, or not soft enough in terms of this. But when he's pushing Habib, and by the way, they don't even have a, a fight being built towards and UFC shouldn't be building towards that fight because of the way McGregor lost the first one. Um, they're going too far. They're going too far and they're going too far with the wrong people. 
And uh, maybe this isn't the Tupac-Biggie correlation like I thought originally, but I feel like somebody can get hurt if, if Connor keeps doing these thinly veiled shots at, at, at Muslims and Habib is, 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 you know, serious enough about life that this ain't no joke. There is a line when you go too far in fight promotion. And again, there's no fight being promoted here that uh, that did turn me off on Twitter. Am I soft? I mean, that turned me the hell off that I'm like, UFC rightfully step in because this isn't going anywhere good. This is this is really only kind of stirring up the hate pot. couple of things, though. One, this dude claims he's retired. He says he's not fighting anymore. Why are you still antagonizing people on Twitter? Like, what is your problem? Th- and also... This isn't exactly a new thing for Connor, by the way. If you look at his tweets from like 2012 and 2013, he was still doing this to people then. It's just now more out there because Khabib's actually responding and retaliating with more <laughs> unnecessary if shots at him going back the other is, way. Just send me location. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. So I think you're right, BC, that they need to step in and somewhat intervene. But the thing is, how do you stop somebody from being having free speech on Twitter? Like being able to because he's really able to say whatever he wants. The UFC can do whatever they say they want to do to him. But one, he said he's retired. So how much control do you really have over him? And two, again, he can't he can say whatever he wants. It's on him to protect himself. It's just, you know, it's it's a bad look for a company that's really going, quote unquote, public right now with this giant ESPN deal. They're getting more push, you know, exposure wise on, on SportsCenter and all those other shows more than ever before. And look, I, maybe the, I wouldn't have this opinion a year ago, but we lived through the, the dolly through the window incident, which, by the way, UFC and Connor are extremely lucky. Nothing major serious happened outside of, uh, you know, a couple fights getting canceled and people getting glass chips in the eye. And then the 229 brawl in, in melee afterwards that I mean, I was there. I was in the middle of it. It felt, you know, really unsafe for a short period. Now, when you're really, really pulling someone's chain about, uh, you know, their wife wearing a a covering on her face at a wedding. The point is, is it just two men doing freedom of speech trash talk? Yes. But you're also stirring up entire groups of people that may not treat this like a joke, because guess what? They're lucky, again, that Conor uh, Habib post-brawl with Dylan Dennis and all that stuff didn't turn into the Pacers-Pistons Palace brawl where you have fans basically going, screw this, I'm not going to spend a lot of money and go to, go to these fights anymore when this kind of crap is going to break out. So from the standpoint of protecting your financial and company PR interest, it is right for UFC to step in. When you have a fight and you're within the content, constraints of building that fight, is trash talk beyond the norm allowed in fight sports? Yes. In fact, people love it. It's currency. It gets you fired up. But there has to be a line. It's it's 2019. I mean, you're not going to make anti-homophobic jokes, right? People, no one's going to get. No one's going to allow you to get away with that in 2019. Nor should they. So why can? Why is this just? A, why is there people fighting back saying, "Oh, you're so soft. This shouldn't happen." No, it's it stirs up people beyond just these fighters. Not to mention. That Habib's a serious dude who does not take this as a joke. It's just a bad look for your top stars. It wouldn't even be remotely tolerated in any other sport, guys. Seri- what if Durant and Westbrook are doing this? Seriously. What if Brady's doing this to the to the to the Eagles? Like, are you kidding me? Like the, the people would they'd shut that crap down so quick. So all the categories it it checks the box of why are we doing this? It's it is such a bad look and 
Connor, I feel like, is lucky where it's at right now. He's lucky that he backtracked already. He's lucky that something hasn't happened. This is like this is one of those personal things where you don't talk about it. There are certain personal things that stay out of the trash talk game. You leave them alone. Someone's religion, certain family things. Like that's just stuff that's out of the trash talk game. And Habib proved that he's a serious bad dude by jumping out of the cage and trying to fight the rest of his team. He's proved it on many occasions. He's proved that he's not to be messed with. And now you're going at him, attacking him with like some very seriously disrespectful things. And the president, Dana White, has to step in. Like that is not good. I feel like Connor is spiraling a little bit. And I'm just going to take a giant leap and say that it could be because he doesn't have that star power. Like people watched him get destroyed by Habib. He lost to Mayweather. Like he lost the control. He's, he's not the greatest anymore. Like if you're trying to get stake in this company, like he should be doing what you were talking about before where a month ago, he's commenting on the UFC fight. Hey, this is a great combination here. This is how he won the fight. Like he should be doing that stuff, promoting himself saying, Hey, I can be beneficial to the UFC in this way. Not going out here trying to incite massive wars between these two camps or whoever it is and getting in trouble with the yeah. law and all these little things add up. The, the where... panic coming out of him where it's like he bad look all the stuff he's trying to do outside the cage, like like the whiskey, the clothing line, all that stuff, that's just fueled by his success in the fighting game. If there's no success in the fighting game, all that other stuff is going to start to dissipate. He needs to get back there and win in the fighting game. But I think this whole charade on Twitter was him basically telling the UFC, and we know he's just coming off an argument with them where he didn't want to go in the co-main against Cowboy. So now he doesn't have a fight and he's kind of in limbo. I think this is his way of saying, I don't want to get back in line and be a regular fighter in this killer division with all killer, no filler, top 10 guys here and fight the guy you want me to fight to set up another big fight. I want to get right back in there against Habib because I think if you're Connor, those are the only type of fights that really, really, really motivate you, that get you like in life or death, fight or flight situations. These other fights, he's not going to get paid the level that he wants. He wants to be in pay-per-view fight breaking bouts. The UFC doesn't want this fight now, nor should they. In fact, they do a lot of things to sell their soul. They shouldn't sell their soul on this. He doesn't deserve this. He just got dominated. He needs to kind of get back in line and kind of play a role. I think, yes, UFC was a little bit short-sighted and out of line by, by the idea of him being in a co-main event. He's too big of a star. But at the same time, he's got to realize everything changed now with UFC, with ESPN taking over the control of the pay-per-views. His value has been diminished, especially coming off of that loss. His value has been diminished. Brando, um... The spiraling comment kind of makes sense when you add up the recent arrests, the the, the sexual assault uh, claims, which we don't know, the alleged claims, we don't know what's going to play out with that. And then just that headline in the past 24 hours that he just got into a fight potentially in an Irish bar and punched a dude. This guy's falling off the tracks and it's fighting regularly that keeps him at his best. Hey, dude, schedule a fight. Well, that's what I was going to say when, when Mikey was finishing up there that like hit me hard because it's like we haven't we hadn't even gotten to the bad headlines with him lately like we've talked about the twitter stuff we haven't even talked about him getting arrested like three times and now like you said bc being investigated for sexual assault in ireland like it, the spiral makes sense but it's also like a man who is now knows he doesn't have power almost like you guys were talking about also like he has now lost complete control of everything he thought he had 
And I wonder if he does somehow beat Khabib in that in that fight last October, does he get that claim to a stake in the company that he that he's now trying to negotiate for? Now he has no leverage. He has zero leverage, and he's making it worse by doing all these stupid things in public. If he actually beats Khabib, does this all change? And by the way, big guy talking tough on Twitter, you told Khabib in the ring, it's just it's just selling the fight, mate. That's what he told Khabib when Khabib was getting mad at him and trying to like antagonize him between rounds, remember? It's like, dude, you had your chance and you got smoked by this guy and you're still out here making these stupid things to, to Khabib to make him mad. Like, I, I, I am so done with Connor. If he ends up going to WWE, good luck, man. Good luck controlling that guy nah, because he's I mean, going to want the same kind of things. Well, there's he's no – want... Connor's not, quote, unquote, going to WWE. First of all, he's way too small. There are wrestlers Connor's size who have success, but Connor's not going to come in there and be a full-time guy and take bumps as a small guy. Like, are you kidding me? Ronda was a special case. People only come to WWE in a lot of ways out of desperation. For Ronda, it was desperation. Her fighting career was over. I don't think he's reached that rock-bottom desperation point where, where going to WWE for any length of time would make sense. Maybe to be overpaid for a one-time appearance or to build toward one match, but, like, we're not... The train's not off the tracks yet, but it is teetering, and the only way you fix that is get back in there and win and look good. I, I wish they can just come to a middle ground, give him the type of fight that is dangerous, but that he should win, and then, look, he's too big of a star, he's got to be back in a title fight. So... But he can't. I don't know, man. There's just it's just a bad. It's too much of a bad look lately. I do see it both ways. I see in some cases where UFC trying to discipline him and getting back into realizing who he is, and that there's a there was a hot season there where you combined being a great company man with winning incredible fights you weren't supposed to, with having incredible stardom all mixed together, and for a hot second it looked like a, a ridiculous claim of ownership stake as a fighter, which, by the way, you should never do. You should never let the inmates run the asylum. It almost looked realistic, and it made sense, but you know how it is in the fight game, guys. I mean, one loss can derail everything. One bad loss can derail everything. You're only as good as your last fight, and, Mikey, you nailed it. We haven't seen him win since 2016. Time to get back in there and do it because uh, we're wasting our time each week fantasy booking him we're wasting our time each week uh trying to figure out what's in his head it's wild it's wild dude are we going back to moratorium time with him can we not yeah, talk we about take, him until a, he makes a fight we got to take a connor break and we got to quickly wrap up the mma implications by the way this past weekend guys at wrestlemania 35 and when i say this past weekend i mean last night good lord seven and a half hour card wwe get it together that's not what you care about but we heard the rumors in the past two weeks. ESPN's Ariel Hawani saying UFC is targeting a potential 241 card on August 17th to be Brock Lesnar against Daniel Cormier for the heavyweight championship. Guys, you did, probably didn't see it, but Lesnar kicked off the WrestleMania main card and lost his universal championship to Seth Rollins in a match in which Brock really didn't have to take a lot of bumps. And it was a very short match. Brock looked in insanely good shape physically. This seems to open the door and kick it wide open. Brock DC, for better or for worse. You got any movement in there, Wise? You feeling this at all? Did he look smaller, at least? He looked uh, cut and, and, and fit and a, and a lot better than, let's say, a year ago when it was just more bulk and, and, and a, little, a little chubby. So so he's down to 265, you're saying? He's getting close to be able to cut to it, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, good. Let's make this happen because I'm tired of talking about DC against Brock. I need DC John Jones three before the end of the year, please. And, and the only way to get there is to go through Brock. So I guess, I mean, it, look, I don't, 
it's tough. We've had this debate before, but F you. Did, wait, can we say F you? Probably not on the show. Remove the F you. Um, hey, UFC, you're, you're rewarding a guy coming off of a steroid testing, which he has no excuse. There's no pictograms here, brother. And you're just rewarding him, a, a part-time guy with a title shot. It's such a, you get it, but it's it's just like, damn. But right. it does feel like another fight that we'll talk about in a minute would be a like de facto number one contender fight, even though they're probably not going to give it to him in Junior Dos Santos and Francis Ngannou, which is going to be some hot fire in your face. But we'll see. I, I hope that they give one of those guys a chance, but they're probably going to give DC that fantasy matchup set that you talked about last time where it's Brock, John Jones and Stipe to finish his career here. There is, there is some good business to come for DC if he stays the course and stays active and, and keeps winning before his retirement, which which we assume now is probably pushed off at least a year because he has the opportunity to not only make life-changing money, but to, to really set him up to, for the type of fights that could take his already great legacy. And, and look, I mean, DC, by knocking out Stipe, moved up into that upper room of basically top five guys. So, man, man, imagine what do we do with DC if he beats John Jones in their trilogy? Like, holy crap. Like... It's going to be fun to get there. Lesnar, I guess, is a necessary evil hurdle to make. It'll do big business. But, uh, I mean, Brock gets smoked, I, no matter what he's putting in his body. I mean, DC straight up knocks him out, right? I mean, like, quick, accurate hands, like, first-round KO, it's got to be. Damn, I don't know. I, I just want to see it. I, I'm not ready to make a pick or a prediction for that yet. I just want to see it. All right, then. Hey, what else did we missed over the last two weeks? Let's get caught up to date before we push on to some 236 business. You want to run down some uh, results? Yeah. What, what, what's going on in the world of mixed martial arts? Well, uh, you've been pretty wrong, I think, on main event predictions uh, so far all, this year. How dare you? Okay, keep going, guys. <laughs> Justin Gaethje beat the living hell out of Edson Barbosa two weeks ago in Philadelphia and left him staring up at the lights with his uh, left hook after a couple of different sets of combos that just Edson didn't seem like he had any idea what was going on. Um, it was as good a performance as we've seen from Gaethje. It wasn't the quick uh, knockout that he had against James Vick, just kind of lightning out of nowhere. It was all around defended well against leg kicks, went after Barbosa with his own leg kicks, which was like, Oh, Whoa, dude. can we pour something? Can we pour one out for the first two minutes of that fight where it was just like a hellacious stare down of like ridiculous leg kicks where you're at home going, oh, oh, my God, like over and over again, dude. Ridiculous. It's like those those uh, what, what's that league they have in Russia where it's just like a slap fest. It's like it's like <laughs> at, like an arm wrestling table, but they just slap the ish out of each other. Yeah, I mean. It was what we wanted it and what we expected, and thank God it only lasted three minutes because I don't know what what another twelve of that would look like. <laughs> well, you you nailed a couple of things. One that I was way off, and I'm actually glad for him I was this way off, guys. I got fooled by that two fight window, the the insanely good brawls he had with Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier, in which they both proved that this man has limitations. He's the ultimate caveman. No matter who you are, he's going to drag you into the deep end of the pool. You can't avoid that. He's going to take you to hell. He's going to open up that back door to hell into that back back room and take you in there. But if you have the combination of toughness and the right skills, the right technique, you can put this man away. This was a different man. I ended up getting fooled by the James Vick fight. I thought it was sort of a desperate act of a desperate man who went out there, got in great shape, looked great, knocked him out. 
I didn't realize that what we are seeing is a tiny but a perfectly strategic evolution of who Justin Gaethje is. So he doesn't turn into this sort of, uh, he's always going to be a caveman, but he was on the way to turning into just sort of a TV fighter who we love to see, but at the same time we kind of cringe at, and he's going to pile L's on, and eventually he's going to go away earlier than later. This was the, the showing you that he was able to evolve with Trevor Whitman without needing to be too safe and watering himself down. What I mean by that is we always say, the dude can wrestle. Why don't you wrestle? You're allowed to wrestle. But deep in our hearts, we don't really want this guy to wrestle. We still want him to be the, the ridiculous Justin Gaethje warrior, the human highlight film. We want him to be that. So what did he do? He just sort of shaved things off, changed the recipe just a bit, really set up his attack better. And here's the thing I noticed, because I did not see this coming. I thought they were going to get into a war and Barboza was going to light him up. And really, Barboza, who's a guy you can beat as well if you play a certain game, is also the wrong opponent for Gaethje's style. But tell me if I'm wrong on this. What Gaethje does to beat guys normally is outlast them. Outlast their cardio, outlast their balls and manhood, outlast their toughness. And to do that, he has to absorb hellacious blows to get there. He becomes like... Homer Simpson, the boxer, for for a little bit. You know what I mean? It's just sort of like, I, like I've got to take like record level of absorbed strikes. He didn't do that against Barbosa. He went after him, and he went after him in a way where cut the angles just enough and did sort of these smart things that I'm sure when Edson's watching tape, he's like, this guy doesn't have this game. I'm not. I don't have to worry about this. And it goes to show you that this guy can be a little bit smarter without sacrificing who he is. And then Brando, when he puts out the performances that he did against Vic and now against Barbosa, what, like, what, what the hell do we do with him? There's no ceiling now because he has that one skill, just like Damian Maya with the submissions or just like an Nganu with the knockout power where you're like, this man is not perfect, but he can literally win or lose against any fighter in the world on any night. It's tough to say, could he ever win a title? How good is he? What would he do against a Ferguson or a Habib? You just don't know because the dude's freaking crazy. You will swim. He will pull you into the pool and dunk you under. It's up to you to figure out if you can get away from him. I thought what you said there was just so perfect with him because in the Barbosa fight, like you said, his speed was on display a lot more because he hadn't had to show that. He was able to cut those angles, like you said. Those like little, in like, like those things that you don't notice on first watch where he's able to turn his head a little bit or turn his body so that Edson's not getting clean kicks in. That's the stuff that's just perfect for him. And if he's able to keep in evolving with that kind of movement in the, in the octagon, I, like you said, I don't know what's next for him. The only fight that you actually said that you wanted to see with him is Tony Ferguson. Honestly, I don't know what else you can do with him at this point because Ally Aquinta and and T Donald Cerrone are already booked. Dustin is fighting Max this weekend, which we're going to get into in a minute. Like to me, you said to you said Tony Ferguson. I want to see that guy against Paul Felder. I think that would just be brutality on top of brutality, and it would be so great because Justin Gaethje's not going to put him away with those two like one punch like he did with Barbosa and with James Vick. Paul Felder sh showed how strong he is and how tough he is. I think that's gonna that would be. A perfect matchup to just see how much he has evolved his game and if he actually does start to use that wrestling because I think if he's going to contend for a title here in this year or in the next year if he keeps this run up he's gonna have to show his wrestling game because he's not gonna beat Khabib or Tony just standing up he's gonna have to show us that he can wrestle and fight on the ground. 
Here's the thing, though, about about matching him moving forward. This division, as we said, it's the best and deepest in the whole sport. It's so damn dangerous. He is the type of guy that can lose or win against any guy. Like, there's there's no ceiling in either direction. I don't know if I would waste, coming off of two dominant wins like he had, waste him against the Felder, waste him against the winner of Cowboy Ayakinta. I'd almost want to fast-track this guy because you don't know how long this winning streak is going to last. You don't know how many of these marketable fights you can make, and him against anyone is marketable. And even though there's this log jam at the top of the division right now, I'd almost line him up for Tony or line him up for... I'd almost put him in a fight he may not deserve because I don't, th- I don't know if he, can, if he can get through these guys and still be the same guy two, three fights from now, even with the adjustments he's made to his style. I think you got kind of lucky from a marketing standpoint that he turned himself back around and now you capitalize on it and you give him the best possible fight you can. I mean, I ju- I know we just said we're not going to talk about him anymore, but oh him against Connor. Oh boy, that's like that's unreal. In some ways, that's perfect because if Connor won a fight like that against a guy like that, you would have no more questions about him. Like, it, yeah, at the same time, it's almost kind of like the sneaky perfect style matchup of a guy Connor could beat, a guy that never wrestles even though he can, and a guy who comes forward that you can light up. I mean, you're always going to look at some point. It's getting to the point now with Connor's inactivity. I know what people are going to say. He just fought in October and he's been suspended. It doesn't end until April. How do you say he's inactive? I get it. But his overall inactivity, it's sort of like the pressure's on him to show us something. So uh, no kid gloves anymore. He can get a second straight loss against anybody and a third overall if you count Mayweather. Yeah, let's do this Gage G thing. That's a pay-per-view main event and a half, bro. It is crazy how quickly things have changed up for him because two weeks ago, I tossed that out there. I tossed out Gaethje, Connor, and we all, you guys both were like, yeah, ah, too dangerous for Connor. Give him someone a little bit easier. And now, like, that's the perfect fight for him because how how quickly he's slipped in these two weeks and in, in, in media and everywhere. I mean, I don't know if it's that. I still think that's an extremely dangerous fight for Connor because we've seen what Justin Gaethje can do if he figures you out. But like BC said, the fact that he is more of a pressure fighter that helps Connor because Con- like Connor's the reaction he wants to hit you with his counter strikes. So I do think that's a bad matchup. I probably would pick Justin to win that fight if we're looking at it today. But I just don't know what else you can do at this point with Connor because like we've been talking about for a hundred months, like <laughs> we don't have a fight for him, and he just keeps doing dumb things that make it so that he doesn't get a fight. So to me. That's the reasoning for making that fight happen. I think, like I said, I think that would be a tremendous clash of styles to go along with either Tony Ferguson or Paul Felder. But like BC said, it probably makes sense to not give him Paul Felder at this point just because he's coming off of two highlight reel knockouts where people are going to want to see him more and see more out of him. I was hoping he was going to make the the damn Fort Lauderdale card once – uh, Yoel Romero got pulled out with a illness. I thought they were going to put him back in on another ESPN card in a main event, but no. Yeah, you got screwed. Hometown man here, South Florida's own Brandon Wise, has been itching and wanting for so long for the fights to come to FTL or Miami or that backyard in in uh, in uh, Miami where, where Kimbo and, uh, and your boy Masvidal came up. Anywhere. And then you finally got a card, and it had a badass main event, and Romero pulled out, and now you got Jacare and Jack Hermanson, and nothing else, bro. 
What are you talking about? No, we got Cowboy against uh, um, Mike Perry. That's on. No, oh, Cowboy Oliveira. Co- right. Cowboy yeah. Oliveira. Yeah. All right. I mean, they'll bang. You know, they'll bang a little. We got a little action. All right. All right. I don't know. I don't know. All right. What else we got? Where are we rolling here? Uh, let's talk a little one championship. We missed that a little last week or two weeks ago. Petty Alvarez. Yikes. Yikes is the right word. Um, this is a big deal for one championship, right? This was their their sort of all in moment, their first kind of close up card with the launch of these tournaments, the launch of having Demetrius Johnson and Eddie Alvarez on the same card. Uh you could watch it streaming live on the Bleacher Report app for free in the US. I had a lot of problems with the hyperbole on, on the, the broadcast team going back and watching it back and them constantly saying this is the biggest night in mixed martial arts history, which is a joke. It was a giant night in one's history. I wish for them, knowing that they have this quasi-TV deal with TNT, that this could have been televised on a Turner network. I know it's March Madness. It's a bad time for it, but like, it could have been fun to see this live. Uh, either way, I felt the card was a success. I really liked a lot of these fights and going back and watching the highlights, watching the full fights. It was good. But man, for Eddie Alvarez, and you know, he's that dude. He's 35. He's a brawler. He could lose to anybody in reality. But man, he looked bad. And when you package that with the comments he had afterwards, not just about his eyelid breaking in two, but the idea that like he just hasn't felt it for a while. He just can't pull the trigger. There's there's a blockage there. Like, is this the warning signs that he's washed and this long run of wars is over? Or is it a psychological thing that you can repair? Like, this loss isn't completely damaging because, again, it's Alvarez. And even at his peak in Bellator, he could be in a brawl and lose at any time. And I'm actually still a little bit surprised he had the run in UFC he did. I give him a lot of credit. But if this becomes a pattern, then you're gonna you're not going to make your money back if you're one very, very quickly. And I hope not for Eddie because I can't see him... I can't continue to watch him lose to guys I've never heard of. That's the thing is like, I can't make heads or tails of his career at this point. His arc and and his bell curve is just ridiculous. Like he gets to the top. He beats Rafael Dos Anjos on that, that uh, tough main event that Friday before a, a international fight week main event card on, I think, was that 200? Yeah, that was UFC 200 that Saturday. And he gets a chance to be in the headlining event and he beat the brakes off of RDA that night. Like he looked like a man possessed and then gets Connor and bright lights got to him. If you're asking, if you ask me, oh, like, Con- Connor did a surgical job on him mentally, it just lured him right into that trap. So he falls off there. Then he bounces back with another win, I believe, or winner two. Uh, no contest. Poirier. And he then beat- he KO'd uh, Justin Gagey. Right. That was the that was the illegal knee against Poirier the first yeah. time. So he gets he starts to get it back together, and then another loss like this. It's like, but those were wars that we just mentioned there. Like those were. I understand. Wars. I understand, but was it just like that he got a big contract with one, and he was supposed to be the shining star? Like he was going to be one of the guys for them. Was that too much for him? You think like. I don't know. Funny, we had him on the show a couple weeks ago, and I was like, are you going to, with this big money and the pressure to be a face of one, are are you going to play it a little safer, become Eddie the Point Fighter? And he was like, no, dude, you can't can't change who you are. I'm going to go out there and brawl. I mean, it is who who it is, but I think this time it's different because of those comments afterwards. When has Eddie Alvarez ever been uh, in a spot where he can't pull the trigger? I mean, if anything, Eddie's 
too much of a Philly fighter for his own good. And the Connor fight's a perfect example, right? He, should, he had a game plan to wrestle. He walked in the cage telling himself, I need to wrestle. His coach told him before he goes out there, go out and wrestle. He goes out and gets into a brawl, gets knocked out. That's who he is, dude. Remember the, the Chandler fights? They're epic. The guy's vulnerable. He gets hurt. But he shouldn't have lost to this dude. And in the manner that he did, I mean, uh, you hope this is just... I mean, look, he lost his UFC debut as well to Cerrone in a good fight. But you hope this is just, okay, it is what it was. Let's get back on the train. Let's build him back up. I know he's not in this tournament. He lost now. But I don't want to see him. Uh, you know, he, this is a big money deal for him and his family. I'd like to see him. I think he one can really use him. I just hope that it, it's not It's not just, you know, you know where I'm going with this, right? I can't wait to see some so somebody else in this tournament miraculously get an injury in like the <laughs> semifinals or before the championship fight. And all of a sudden Eddie Alvarez is fighting for the title again, guys. Yes. Yes. Uh, Demetrius Johnson had a big win in his own tournament there. Uh, I don't even know who he fought. He absolutely kicked crap out of that guy. He looked great, dude says he wants to fight five more years. Uh, I, I'm happy. He's somewhere where he could be appreciated. All right. Cause he's a great fighter. He's a real good dude. He's actually a better quote than he ever gets any credit for. But, uh, yeah, I mean, what else are you going to say about him? He, I mean, he looked like vintage Mighty Mouse. That was the thing. Like, I don't know if it was the new, because he was talking about it today on Ariel's show that he, the new rehydration clauses that are in his contract and with one in general are helping him because he's not just like dehydrated all the time trying to, to suck down to 125. He feels good about himself. He feels healthy. So I don't know if it's all of that is playing a factor, but dude, that performance was just unreal. Like. It was. It looked like that. Uh, that that win he had against. I cannot remember his name now. The guy who his kids has all the illnesses right now. Ray Borg. Um, Ray Borg. It looked like the Ray Borg finish, like where he just jumps up, takes the dude's neck, and then just puts him to sleep. Like it doesn't get much better than that for a guy that size who's able to do anything he wants to in the octagon. If he and like you, you keep telling me, but I still don't believe you. If he would have done something like that against Henry Cejudo, we have such a different conversation to have right now because <laughs> he's probably the one who takes out DJ Dillashaw instead of Cejudo. And then he's now fighting for the, the Bantamweight Championship again. Yeah, dude, I, I just really wish DJ would have got the immediate rematch with Henry Cejudo, which I think he would have won. And then DJ would have, they could have given him enough money to move up to Bantamweight and fight TJ. And if he'd done that, like, he could have really cemented the goat. He could have. He could have walked away, retired for good after that. I, I, I would rather have seen that from the fan standpoint than see him go to one. And now he's going to beat maybe a little bit lower level of classic guys, and he's going to beat him easily and dominate. He's going to be a star there, and that's great. And he'll be appreciated, and that's fine. And he can go on uh, Twitch and play video games. But um, yeah, it's tough, man. It's it just, and if you're a UFC, by the way. And I know that, that, you know, it's 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 uh, take a crap or get off the pot about these flyweights. Right. But like like the thing about DJ is he's not marketable. We've, we've seen it. We've seen it a million times. And yet he was the face of that flyweight division forever. So to act like flyweights don't work, really, DJ doesn't work as the face of something. You've got Henry Cejudo, who's marketable and fun and can talk. And now you're talking about folding the flyweight division. You finally have the flyweight that you want, UFC. Just announce we're not folding the flyweights. But no, of course, Henry Sudo's getting the next Bantamweight title shot. All right, there you go. That's the UFC in 2019. More news at 11. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what else there is to say about it at this point. 
Uh, one also had, uh, I don't know, Angela Lee had, was trying to become a, a champ champ there, and she, she lost in that main event. Uh, there's a couple other fighters there worth watching, a couple other good stories. Did you watch? They put out a really good, like, two, three-minute recap video of all the action. It makes you feel like, oh, wow, I should be paying more attention to this. But like I said, I feel like you got to kick off this new deal with a televised card, not necessarily what's Bleacher Report streaming. Do I have it? Do I have to pay for it? Is it in zone or outside of zone? What is going on right now? It just felt a little underwhelming in that regard. But, hey, one, best of luck to one. Right. Yeah. All right. There you go. There you go. Uh, what else we got? What else we see We're here? We got we, – we read it. What else? What else we miss here? Is Bellator fight anymore? Is there any Bellator things, news <laughs> happening? I know we're getting San and Machida at the Garden coming up in June, which is heavily interesting for me because I like them old guy fights. But uh, anything else going on in Bellator? Uh, I liked Daniel Strauss two weeks ago. He uh, came back. He had that motorcycle accident was out for 15 months and he came back out a win via first round na- rear naked choke. So that was just uh, one of those positive things to see. And then you just named it. We've had a, we've had a bunch of fights announced since we were in our last podcast. So Brian, I'm trying to get your thoughts. We yes. haven't talked about John Jones, Tiago Santos. <sighs> okay. First of all, 239, which this is but, right. This is international fight week, Vegas, July 6th. I think it's yeah, loaded. Do you want to, it's you want to great. run down the fights before we get into John Jones? Yeah, this card is looking insanely good. John Jones, Tiago Santos main event. Amanda Nunez, Holly Holm for the women's bantamweight title in the co-main. Ben Askren, Jorge Masvidal with a with a soda and a side side of of uh, mashed potatoes. There, Junior Dos Santos, Francis Ngannou, Luke Rockhold, two hundred five debut against gatekeeper Jan Blockowitz. That's not, I'm never going to get that guy's name right. Michael <laughs> Chiesa, Diego Sanchez, are you kidding me? Is my missing I any? That's all the ones that are announced so far. All right, but with that said, I hate this main event. And it's nothing against Tiago Santos, right? He's got a much better hammer tattoo on his chest than Brock. It actually doesn't look like a dong. The whole point, he's a good fighter. But you know my stance. Jones needs to be at heavyweight right now. And I know what a lot of people are saying. This will be the last one at light heavyweight because guess what? A month after this, DC probably going to fight Brock. And then maybe we'll see Jones move up. My point is, if you're UFC, 205, it needs a refresh. Why you have these young names? Why set them up one by one to take their first big loss against John Jones when you can move him up to heavy where there's big business and his career needs it and you got to build to that DC fight? This doesn't move me just like Anthony Smith didn't move me for a main event. 239 kind of has that 235 feel where it's like, let's just throw a lot of fights together and put John against a guy he should and could win. It doesn't do that much for me to see him keep coming back this quickly, but this card is jacked and loaded. Tell me a reason why I should really care about John Jones, Tiago Santos. To be fair, though, this isn't exactly the new crop of 205ers. Like, Tiago Santos has been around for a while. He's been at 185, and he's actually lost at some point last year. But... To his credit, he's gotten it together at 205, and now he's going to get his title chance. Secondly, John Jones can bleep off because he teased two hours before this yeah. fight was announced that he was going to fight Stipe at heavyweight this summer. And then, of course, oh, hey, by the way, I'm still fighting and defending this 205 belt that I have. Ugh, so frustrating. That, got su- so close. that sucked. And that's uh, uh, that's what happens in the UFC. I mean, Stipe got used, really, if we're being honest, like Habib got used ahead of 205. When UFC wanted Eddie Alvarez and Conor McGregor and somebody was, you know, somebody was dragging their feet, so suddenly they put it out there. Dana tweets. Remember that? Remember Dana responded to, like, a random dude on Twitter and was like, no, Conor's fighting Habib, you know, at 205. And we're like, what? And Stipe got used big time. But, like, 
Tiago Santos has been around forever, and I know he only has one loss going back. I mean, he's, dude, this guy's fought nine times since 2016. Nine times since then, and he's 8-1. And, and he's beaten Anthony Smith and Jack Hermanson and Eric Anders and Jimmy Manawa and Jan Blackowitz, but they don't really beat anybody. Nope. So, uh, yeah. Um, his, I will I, say his striking, though, is a little bit more well-rounded well than Anthony Smith's was, at least. It's so, a better fight than Anthony Smith, sure. Yeah. I just don't know what you're accomplishing. I guess what you're accomplishing is you're getting John Jones back quick. I've, I've been saying this. The fact that John Jones is now going to be fighting three times in six months, like, maybe the dude just needs the money. I mean, he's he's been sitting around for a long time paying legal fees, right? Maybe Maybe the dude's looking to cash in. He's definitely being more of a company man right now because he doesn't have that leverage. But, uh, I mean, if all roads ends in Jones DC3 at heavyweight where it belongs, of course I'm going to be happy. But, dudes, let's stop talking about Tiago's The Hammer Santos here and talk about this undercard because this is like got to be there, got to bring the camera and get as many interviews. There are so many personalities on this card, so many names, so many fights I need and want to see. Which one are you most excited for when you look at it? I mean, I'm I love the heavyweights, so I have to go Junior Dos Santos, Francis Ngannou, because good lord, is that going to be hellacious? Oh god! <laughs> you could see either of them getting one punched. You could see, uh, is Junior going to wrestle that if he has to, or is Junior just going to uh, try to be the the slicker man. boxer? Because Ngannou's not really a great boxer; he's just a slugger, and he throws. He sometimes can throw from you know peculiar angles you don't see coming. I mean, that, that left hook that he got over him with, that sort of half hook is just ridiculous. But he's not like a guy who comes out there with a jab and outworks you. JDS can box. He can move. He can stick and move. What if he gets lit up and he's like, oh, crap, we're going down to the ground. Yeah, I mean, I just don't see that scenario playing out. I just see Junior trying to keep the distance, like you're saying, with his jab. And then, like you said, stick and move. And I just think Francis is just going to be the predator again. Like, I just think he's going to go out there guns blazing like he did against Kane. I mean, he knocked out Kane with an uppercut that we didn't even see in the in real time because it was so quick and so precise. Like, that's the kind of power I want to see on display. And Junior is as good as it gets in stand-up game. So I want to see what that looks like when they when they score off in July. And could we ask for anything more right now than Ben Askren, Jorge Masvidal? Like, like we thought we might have to get Askren Lawler too because of the way that thing played out. Now we don't. They're both going on to more marketable and better fights here. And for Masvidal coming off that win and then and then giving the two-piece to Leon Edwards or the three-piece, actually, this is perfect timing, perfect card for it. I love when they load up this International Fight Week card. It feels special. This one's special. I mean, Luke Rockhold's like the fifth or sixth most important fight. And you know, that guy's the best looking guy in all MMA and, and the guy who should have been the pay-per-view king. But uh, I'm pound for pound king, maybe even pay-per-view king. Pound for pound, get the hell out of here. If he would have knocked out Bisping then in that rematch at 199, you could have made a case. You could have made a case. It. Just stop it. That he was the best fighter in the world. Could have made that anyway, case. Anyway. He had only lost to TRT Belfort. Come on. Whatever. We need to talk about Nunez, though, because this is the fight you had been asking for, getting the chance to get out of here with all of the wins over it. every champion that there's ever been. 
I Except love for it. Starweights. Yeah, really. Uh, unless Nico Montano is coming through that door at 135. She really has a chance to beat every act, every person who's held the title in or around her that she could possibly make weight against. And the thing that we talked about uh, two weeks ago is, you know, Holly at 37 can still fight and is still... Look, she's a really tough strategic matchup in this one. And it's not apples to apples to say, well, didn't she lose to Cyborg and Nunez blew away Cyborg in one round? It's, it doesn't really work like that. You know, again, she kind of lured Cyborg into a brawl and got her out of there. Credit to Nunez for having tighter punches and, and, and really setting that up well. But Holmes, that that patient counterpuncher from the outside, she's big for the weight class. She, Who stops her? Nobody stops her, right? That one chicken boxing stopped her and Holmes came back and knocked her out in the rematch. Home doesn't get stopped. She could be a, a decent kryptonite in this fight. This is a great fight, and I love that Amanda sort of has this opportunity to really beat everyone. I mean, the only one you could say that she hasn't fought is going back and run back the Kat Zagano rematch that she lost in a fight. By the way, she had been dominating and then ran out of gas and got stopped herself when she was so young. But it's not like we're itching for that Kat Zagano fight. This is the only one left. Mandy can walk away if she wants. Seriously. Unless, you know, Valentino wants to come back up for a trilogy. So... I love this fight, and it is marketable. And, you know, Holly's kind of hot. You know, I mean, post, post-divorce, post you know? Nothing? UFC Hall of Famer, Holly Holm. I was waiting for the sound drop. Yeah. yeah. Well, but Brandon's <laughs> just not feeling it, okay? For Brandon, I love this fight. Yes. I, like, BC, you sold me on it a couple weeks ago. I love this fight, and I'm believing more and more now that Holly Holm will give Nunez Amanda some problems with her crisp punches. I think it's going to be very interesting those that first round to see how it plays out. If Amanda's going to come forward very aggressively like we've seen her in the past, or if she's going to know that Holly Holm's a great counterpuncher, should I step back and pick my shots? It's going to be interesting to see how she comes out in that first round. Love it. Love that fight. Uh, uh, look, Kiesa Diego Sanchez, a hell of a little fun fight too. So this is this is good booking. This is how you put together a super card. I'm all in on it. That's what I got for you. Uh, we're gonna have to talk about this other thing, guys. <sighs> it's the BKFC, the Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship, where this past weekend in Mississippi, Hick Diaz, Jason Knight fought the Go Artem Lobov in a hellacious bare knuckle. Uh, you don't want to say boxing. It's in the circular boxing ring, but uh, all right. Uh, so here's the deal. Lobov wins a three-round decision, and it was absurd, and it was bloody as hell. And there's actually big business to make here because Paul Malnagy, the retired X2 division boxing champion, is now going to fight Lobov, and it's going to be, I think, June 22nd. I don't know if they're going to do it in a cornfield in Wyoming. I don't know, like in a basement in New York. I don't know where you're going to do this thing. They're going to do it. In fact, uh, BKFC's uh, president, David Feldman, came out before this fight and said that Artem Paul is going to happen whether Artem wins or loses this fight. And I don't know if you saw, you guys saw that the media day they had in uh, Gleason's gym in Brooklyn when uh, Pauly came in and slapped Artem. Did you catch? Did and you then catch punched the him right in the mouth. That was wild. I'm surprised we didn't get any crazy Connor reactions out of that one. Well, we did, though, because here's the deal. That, by the way, that happened. One day before the one-year anniversary of Habib smacking uh, Artem at the hotel, which, of course, set up that 223 Dolly window incident. And what did Connor do? So he didn't come flying in to beat up Pauly, but he got on Twitter and put, like, 30 consecutive still photos from their sparring match, of which Pauly's like, uh, dude, you still haven't released the video. So just release the video and we can get this over with. But here's the deal. I didn't, ha I didn't expect the range of emotions I would have in this, okay? 
after the Paulie Artem thing. I was fired up. This is the kind of trash I live for. Because you in your head, you're like, you know what? This fight's going to be probably be more competitive than Paulie thinks. Because again, Paulie's like 38. He's never had power. He has brittle hands. And he's going in there against, I know, like a journeyman MMA guy who's got like 40 losses, but yet he's Connor's best friend. So he was headlining UFC cards all over the place. That could end up being a competitive fight because in this weird-ass BKFC street fighting, you can hold, you can dirty box, you can do some of these MMA things. So I was sort of like, you know what? This is kind of harmless fun. Let's get a, a hot dog and a handshake and go watch it together. You know, like we'll show up in a wife beater, whatever you want. But I almost feel like I've turned off now after actually watching Lobov Night. Guys, I've said it before about this bare knuckle stuff. It's great in theory, but it's the bottom of the effing food chain. And when the fights end quick, it feels kind of harmless and you're always going to get cuts in blood. But when you have two guys of Knight and Lobov's capability, who, by the way, are just sort of journeyman MMA guys who both got cut by UFC, but they're tough enough to not, like, get knocked out the first time they get hit, it kind of turns into a gross schoolyard fight. What do I mean by that? In school, high school, remember that? Middle school? We loved fights. We lived for fights. Heck, I was always trying to start fights. Not for me. Between other people. Because you just it was excitement. But teachers would run in and break that crap up so quick, right? Maybe somebody get a bloody nose. But that's it. And you'd be talking about it for the next three weeks of who won, who got the first shot in, blah, blah, blah. But then, every once in a while, there'd be no teacher present. No principal, no janitor. And one dude would just get walloped and there'd be blood everywhere. And you're like, you know what? What am I doing? What am I supporting? Right? It's like, wait, if you love boxing, there's a death in the ring. You're like, why do I watch this again? I felt like after watching the post pictures of their faces and watching this, I don't know how much they got paid, guys. What are we going to guess? Like 20,000 each? I don't know. I'm just guessing. I don't know what they're making, but like, it cannot be worth it. They... That's that was horrifically brutal. It's crazy to even think that they're gonna try and have Artem turn around and fight Paulie in in two months. That it, it after seeing his face, uh, it's crazy that they're gonna try and get him back in there in two months. But I, to be honest, when you got Anthony Johnson breaking up scuffles, oh my god, I forgot about you that. have you have my attention. <laughs> <laughs> here, like, he's like, here, let me put this backpack down, then I can stop Paulie from punching Artem. Um, he, he probably could have picked both of them up with one hand and separated them. Just... So, wait, but bros, Brando, am I soft here? Looking at these photos, I feel like I looked at two guys who got like jumped by a gang and got like stomped on their face for like, like, did you see a video of that uh, Shakur Stevenson the boxer fight in the uh, in the in the garage parking lot? Like, I, I thought I was seeing the after effects of somebody like that. I mean, the fight itself was. You called it hellacious. I call it hellacious and hilarious because, good God, was it so just not – there was no technique involved. The, I saw somebody on Twitter say that there wasn't even a body punch attempted between the two. Like, they just had no, – they had no morals, I guess, about it to go and try to use anything besides haymaker to the face. <laughs> so Well, maybe maybe my... Paulie's right then. Maybe Paulie will just absolutely light up and destroy Artem and – cut every every inch of his face and because he has actual technique i if this fight actually does happen you keep telling me it's going to happen but when i see clips of the owner of this company after a fight 
saying that he's going to take 75% of a guy's purse because he wasn't entertaining enough. Uh, what was that guy making, you think? Like $1,000? So that is... <laughs> I like, mean, that fight, are fight fans supposed to jump at that and be like, yeah, yeah, that fight sucked. That guy should not get paid. Like, I don't know about that. Um, here, Like, it kind of reminds you why you have gloves. So, like, here's the deal. I know you can say, well, MMA only has four-ounce gloves. Yeah, but you get a lot of finishes. Uh, maybe sometimes too quick, but you get – too. what I mean by too quick is I mean sometimes you get like a – remember Velasquez JDS1 where you're like, oh, wow, he just caught him and it's over just like that. But at the same time, people don't seem to take – sustained beatings as much and then in boxing where you have much softer gloves it's certainly really bad for the idea of cte to be in these uh in these 10 12 round fights between guys that don't have knockout power yeah but at the same time we don't necessarily see those effects when we're watching if you're just gonna have a bare knuckle fight like dudes are just gonna get carved up and scarred up and like there was no technique here when they got to the point where they're like like laboring and waddling around. They're just trying to line up one big shot to end it, and neither of them had the power to do it. But it, their faces were exploding, and it's just like, like, dude, this is this is the hot dog at the gas station with the cheese in the middle. It's like such a great idea in theory, and it looks good on that roller, dude. But like the first bite, the it's like somebody sticks a javelin in your in your in your chest of like the indigestion that's happening, and you can like just feel your arteries filling, and it's just like. You know, well, like, I, I mean, you've been to concerts and there's that hippie making grilled cheese, man. It sounds like such a great idea. Yeah, dude, I'll buy it. That's great. And then, like, it, it's just, what am I eating here? But this is what I was telling you the other day is, like, how did Jason Knight and Artem Lobov, who, they're not big names, but people know who they are. How did they not get an offer from PFL, One Championship, Bellator, anybody that was enough money to say no to bare knuckle fighting. It looks like, really bad on them that they're in this, by the way. Anybody that's in this. Like, like did Paulie watch that and go, oh, yeah, man. I mean, maybe he just knows. Maybe he just realizes that his technique is so much better than these, like, average MMA guys that he's like, I'll just light these guys up. It's not going to matter. But, like, again, he doesn't have giant power. What if he ends up in one of those life or death fights? Does he want it? Do you really want your name associated with this? And, like, it's just... It's crazy. Um, Chris Lieben fought in the co-main event, and it was his second fight. Hey, he and won. Yeah, he got the knockout in like yeah. twenty-five seconds. Who did he fight? The, yeah, the guy 20... that drove the Uber on the way to the arena. <laughs> I I don't know. I feel like they might be getting some decent money. It might be like some shady stuff where they're getting some decent money. Oh, fight promotion and shady stuff and dirty money? Never, <laughs> never. I, I feel like they might be getting some money because otherwise. It doesn't make any sense that these names are that some of these names are here. Well, Where I'd, was I'd this, Paulie by the, the way? I had Paulie on the boxing pod just real quick a couple weeks ago, and he he just kept going back to well, you know, the offer was really good. I couldn't refuse it. So, yeah, D- David Feldman of the BKFC must have must have fell into some some kind of fu money and uh, fu. We got it. Yeah. <laughs> Where was this fight, by the way? Do we know? It was in Mississippi because of J- uh, Is it really? Jason Knight. I, I would guess. Plus, it's only legal in four states, so take your pick. It was either going to be in New Hampshire, Wyoming, uh, I don't know, the county That's fair- South Florida backyard. Yeah, county fairgrounds backyard, Jorge Masvidal's backyard. Um, I don't know, guys. It this and look, it, we could have a UFC fight tomorrow. Do you remember the remember the first Mark Hunt Antonio Silva fight was one of like the most insane, bloody brawls of all time. Arguably one of the best heavyweight fights ever. Yet 
in rounds four and five, I was like, stop the fight! They're going to die! And, like, you, you can get those fights in MMA, too. It's not just confined to this BKFC. But I think a lot of people's reaction was, is this worth it? Like, what do you, like, I don't know. When you're seeing those bare, bare knuckles hit, hit people's face and get and their faces get cut up like that you can't think that it's worth it those scars i mean did they put any vaseline on they're like they'll... paul's got a lot of scar tissue too i mean he's a boxer for 15 you know 15 20 years i i don't know uh, are we gonna get all geared up in june and, and get get in on this bros we're we gonna we're gonna we're gonna do this we, we're gonna get press passes we're gonna do this bc don't worry we're not gonna do a bare knuckle fight we'll make sure that we have 16 ounce gloves <sighs> I may never fight it. I may never fight because of this. Thank you, BKFC. <laughs> By the way, did you see? There's that other organization. It's um, it's the one with Dada Five Thousand. I forgot the name of the company, but they have that that triangle shaped octagon. They call it the Trigon. So there's like nowhere to hide. You can go in the corner and get your get your ass kicked. Basically, they had their first card, and uh, Dada announced on there that he's making a comeback. He's going to fight in that organization. It's um, uh it's bare knuckle fighting as well. But some of them some of them have M- MMA rules. Some of them are just punching. You know what he cares? Do they care? Do you care? Is he going to be Dada five thousand and one now? It's B Y B Brawl one Brawl for it all. Um, <laughs> what does B Y B stand for? Bring your own blood. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a bad guess uh it's going down in cheyenne wyoming april 5th oh is God. that dada 5000 yeah that was in the yeah, triangular cage in, in, yeah that just happened wow all right well let's just have let's start our own promotion called phone booth fights how about that we were actually <laughs> you're gonna have to fight a phone booth right it's just it's just gonna be muay thai knees and strikes the whole time until the, one of them dies yeah you better go trademark that now somebody's gonna take it from you <laughs> <laughs> All righty then. Uh, yeah, it's. I think it's time to get. We got any other news on on the? Uh, any any other anything else happen at MMA before we can get into two thirty six? What matters this weekend? Um, just a couple of fights that we didn't touch on yet. Henry Cejudo, Marlon Moraes is finally happening. Main event at UFC two thirty eight no. in Chicago this June. I mean, obviously no? it's a great fight. It's a great matchup, but I don't support this dude. There, there's bantamweights. There's names. There's guys that deserve this again. Unless UFC comes out right now and says, we are closing down the featherweight div- flyweight division. If you do that, then Cejudo makes sense. He just knocked out the Bantamweight champion, TJ Dillashaw, at fe- flyweight. I get it. It would make sense. But, Brandon, you know this is a hedge. This is a, well, we'll do this, and then we'll see. And if, you know, if Henry loses, he could stay down at flyweight. And, and maybe, you know, we'll have him fight Benavidez. Or maybe we'll close the division next year instead of this year. You got to make a decision here, and at the same time, does Cejudo really deserve to enter this pantheon of champ champs? Why is he getting this fight, guys? Really, he, he didn't he beat. I, I didn't think he beat DJ. Like they, that should have been a rematch fight. If anyone deserved a rematch, it was Demetrius Johnson. And I get that he knocked out Dillashaw, but that's a weight drain. Dillashaw making a stupid decision. This guy deserves to join the the champ champ club. No, sorry, he might. He probably doesn't. But at the same time, they are doing a de facto tournament here on 238 well they're trying to anyway with a bunch of bantamweights uh peter yan my boy is fighting jimmy rivera which is a great fight for him um aljamain sterling is going to get pedro munoz which is almost its own tournament because they both are coming off of big wins and now they're going to get their chances and you also have what was the other one i just missed i think that's it so but you have three big bantamweight fights there that are all important that are all going to lead toward another championship fight so at least they're doing it in that way where it seems they're trying to pair them all together to set up something later this year. At, at least, even if Cejudo does win this fight against Marais. 
I don't love it. I'm sorry. You can't. You can't. You can't sway me. Sorry. That's that's just gonna be the way it is. I mean, there's just decisions lately, and look, I uh, and there's different kinds of decisions that I get mad at with UFC, like the like rewarding Brock with a title shot, rewarding John Jones off the USADA suspension with a title shot. Those are like sort of sell your soul decisions, but like they make sense for business. So you go, okay, I get what they're doing. Some of these other decisions with who we strip of a belt, why this one's an interim title fight and this one isn't, why is this guy getting a chance to fight for two belts, it just doesn't make any sense. It devalues your title. The worst thing you can do, guys, the worst thing you can do in a fight sport is make the titles not matter. That's boxing. The only thing that matters in boxing are super fights. That's why people only watch and only pay for the big pay-per-view ones twice a year. Stop UFC making it into this. It used to be where the brand and the belt was the most important thing. I don't even know if I know the guys on this card, but I have to watch because UFC has taught me that they deliver. They don't They don't deliver anymore. We'll see. That's all I can say at this point. We'll see. All right. All right. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, let's, let's do it. Let's talk 236. You ready to talk turkey? You ready to get into it? This Saturday, Atlanta, I'll be there. I will be there in attendance Pretty good card. Gotta say it. Don't love that both of these are interim title bouts. We've established that well in advance. Love the two fights, though, when you're talking about Max Holloway, Dustin Poirier at 155 atop the card, and Kelvin Gastelum, Israel Adesanya, co-main event, interim middleweight title. We got sounds. You're going to hear the voices. It's time. Coming at you right now. Max Holloway, the featherweight champion of the world, moving up in weight. Enjoy. All right, Max Holloway, the UFC's featherweight champion. Hey, stepping up to even bigger business next Saturday, UFC 236 Atlanta. Max, interim lightweight title, the deepest division, getting deeper. What the heck's going on here, brother? Hey, what's going on here? It's history, and, uh, you know, your boy trying to put himself in the number one puzzle pound spot. And, uh, you know, I told him, I told them, whatever it takes, and, uh, I guess so. It's uh, it's at fifty-five. So we're here for for this fight, and uh, we'll go from there. Oh man, fantastic fight on paper! Can't wait to see it. In terms of the decision making to go for this chance, man, you're always dear to be great. No one's going to stop you. But how was this decision made? Was it more you pushing or more UFC saying, "Hey, look, we got this opening. You want to take a chance at fifty-five? I, you know, I can t- I can tell you exactly how it went down. Um, after our Ortega fight, uh, we was uh. I had a bunch of business stuff that I had to take care of. Uh, we was taking care of it. And then, um, you know, all of a sudden, UFC came at us and was like, you know, you want to fight Tony for the intro? And I was like, yeah, sure. I checked my email later on that day. And uh, the con- but everything else checked out. I was like, cool. I'll just sign, sign this one, send it back and see what they want. And I guess so. it was a four-year fight. So that's what we did. Wow. Wow. I, I mean, come on. I love it. I'm fired up. What does this officially mean for your featherweight reign? Is it going to be a, if you've got two titles, you can you can fight anywhere? Are you necessarily dropping it if you beat Poirier? What are the plans for this as of right now? First thing first is Poirier all day. You know, I'm focused on him. Everybody keep you know, a lot of people, him, himself, whoever it is, they're all talking, saying that you need to focus because, I was doing other stuff on social media and blah, blah, blah. But I'm totally focused on him. We can go from there after, you know, right now. Um, you know, the 145 division right now, I, there's guys like, I guess, so, uh, Hinato, you know, Alex, uh, even Zabit. And uh, and um, I think the UFC 
the UFC is uh, they they want them to bake a little bit, you know. A bunch of them, they only got all of them. I think only got one win in the top ten, you know. I think so. They want to prove, want to show the world that you know you want a chance that the UFC is trying to uh, make them get more wins. So that's what they think, you know. If at the end of the day, if the UFC send me a contract with the forty five with me defending my belt, that's the one we uh, we would have took. But you know, they they gave us this and this opportunity like this, you got to jump on it. All right, what are you going to look like at 155, and what do you expect it to feel like physically? We're going to see a different, a new Max Holloway, a more dangerous one. What's lightweight Max look like? You know, you know that's uh, that's why you guys got to tune in. You know, there's this app called UFC, uh, the, this app called ESPN Plus, and it's the only way you can get the pay-per-views now. You know, we're about to make history, and I'm about to make history come uh, next week Saturday, so... Make sure you guys tune in and watch. Watch it. You know, you guys don't want to. You guys don't want to miss out on this one. It's going to be fireworks. It's going to be great, and it's uh, it's going to be something special. But do you think you'll have more power at 55? Are you excited about not cutting the weight? How do you feel about that side of it? I feel great. I feel great. You know, I'm Polynesian, Hawaiian Samoan. We like to eat. You know, I I uh, I always tell you guys I love cupcakes. You know, all these guys are cupcakes. Uh, the last <laughs> time I had this flavor. Uh, it wasn't too good, so hopefully this time around it's much more better. And I, I and I, I can't wait. You know, I just can't wait to do to to go out there and show it. You know, talking about size, you know, I feel great. I feel good. Um, you know, all all my training partners, my coaches, they all can feel. They can all feel the difference in my strength and stuff in this camp. So it feels great. You know, I I just can't wait to go and show the world uh, why I'm one of the best to ever do it. Uh, I, I got to ask you here, uh, there was a fun little Twitter banter for a hot second between you and Connor. We almost felt like we were angling toward that fight for the rematch that I know you've wanted for a long time. The last time we saw you lose, it, is, could, could I guess if I was playing UFC matchmaker that Connor might get the winner of this fight between you and Dustin? Or is that looking way too far ahead? I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. The great, the good thing for me and you, I'm not the matchmaker. I'm the fighter. So you know, whatever contract it is, you know, my 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 uh, my relationship with the UFC is simple. You know, send you know, I tell them, send me the hardest fight. You know, whatever you guys think is the hardest fight, put their name on a paper, put my name on a paper, send it to me. I'll sign it and I'll send it back. Yeah, <laughs> that's easy. It's that easy. I love it. I love it. Uh, it, it, it's it's you 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 want to get down to business. We've seen it for you. And look, 2018 looked like it was almost like this forgotten, disastrous year for you. I was even starting to get afraid for your health for what happened during the summer. And then you go out there against Brian Ortega in a hellacious fight, and you're the last man standing. When you look back on that 12 month run, Max, were we a little bit too yeah. worried about what happened in July? I mean, what really happened to be able for you to bounce back from how things were the first nine months to how you ended against Max? I'm sorry, against Brian. Yeah, you know, it's not it's not how you start the race, it's how you finish. And I've been telling people this, you know, I went through a hard times, but that's what champions do. You know, they get knocked down and then they, they come back. And, and that's what I had to do. You know, I, I, uh, it was a tough time, you know. I talked to you guys about it. I talked to you guys how it was. Uh, I was fighting, I was fighting depression and this and that, and it was it was great. It was a great feeling to to see, you know, the smile on uh, many Bless's face after that <laughs> fight and stuff. So it was amazing, you know. And like I said all the time, it's not how you start the race; it's how you finish and finish strong. Well, do you think you have gone now from that experience, right, where you were so honest about what you went through, and then to have that kind of performance against Brian Ortega, where Oh, my God. I mean, we just went 
this guy's even better than we thought he was talking about you. Do you think you went to an even higher level of mental toughness from that experience? Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, for sure. I, I learned a lot about myself in that time, you know. I, I You know, it was a dark place, but, um, you know, you got to remember, you got to bless yourself. And, uh, you know, if anybody is going through something like that, don't 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 forget to reach out to people. People are there, you know. I, I, I'm blessed with uh, great family, great friends, great fans, even great people of the sport, you know, even the reporters and stuff was reaching out to me. So, and how you said you was really, you guys was really uh, caring for my health, you know, and, and that means a lot, you know. So make sure you bless yourself, you get out of it, but, you know, there's always help around, you know. Don't be scared to, to ask for help. Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic message. I really appreciate that. Now, you mentioned it. People know you fought Poirier once before, but that, I mean, Max, that's like two lifetimes ago at this point. <laughs> uh, can it, Fans and critics alike, even you, can you look back on that fight and learn anything, use anything in terms of how this rematch might look like? You know, not at all. You know, it's two different animals, you know. that that's say this much, you know. Me today would, would body... 20 year old me, you know, how that guy would be in the cemetery. I'll put him in the cemetery somewhere for real. Like, it's night and day. And then that fight was so fast, like, you know, you can't really take anything away. You know, Dustin grew, I grew. I just can't wait to go out there and uh, and, and prove to the world and, and and try to live by myself as the number one pound for pound fighter. You know, every every fight is one step closer to, to, to that goal. But Max, lightweight is a bunch of all killer, no filler. This is not news to you. Uh, you always want to fight the best. Do you get giddy at the excitement where, like you said, featherweights, the business, it's not, as, it's not as deep at this moment. If you got by Dustin and you looked at those names in the top 10, you could be fighting like insanely, I have to see it right now, kind of pay-per-view main events for your next four, five, six fights, given the talent and the depth. Do you get as excited as I do when you look at 155? Yeah, for sure. You know, these are the fights that excite me. These are the fights that people think, oh, this is great matchup. This is great matchup. And, you know, no disrespect to anybody, but, you know, at the end of the day, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to prove, like, oh, this is great matchup. I want to go out there and have a showing and be, and leave you guys all in awe and be like, oh, my gosh, what, what did Max, what did he just do? You know, what is going on? So that's, that's what I want to leave. You know, the number one public round fighters in the world for, to me, it's not guys who go out there and have fight, fight, um, fight of the nights and stuff, you know. I want to be one of those guys that I go out there and be like, wow, I thought this guy was going to be much more tougher than, than that. And uh, that's just what I want to leave it at. During this run you're on, which is an incredible winning streak, a lot of the stops along the way, if you look at the betting lines, if you look at the predictions from critics, I think people thought you were that exciting brawler, but oh, when he faces this level of craft, he'll lose. What has been the key to your evolution to where you've been able to get to this level of being a top, you know, two, three, four pound for pound guy in the world where it's not just the excitement. You can brawl if you want to. We've seen it, but you're doing other things in there. What is different about you that's allowed you to make this pound for pound leap? Uh, you know, having a great team, uh, great coaches, uh, great minds around me. And, uh, you know, just people pushing me to my limit and people checking me, you know, it's uh I don't got cheerleaders on my squad, man. None at all. I got a bunch of, I ain't got no yes, man. I got a bunch of guys who put me in my place. I got a bunch of guys that sacrificed a lot for me, and I'll, I'll sacrifice a lot for them. And uh, that's just what it is. You know, it's a great team, great teammates, uh, great family, 
behind me and, and you know, great fan. Where do you feel like you should be right now in that pound-for-pound pound race when you look at the fact that I know Demetrius is gone, John Jones is back in, it's a clouded picture at the top. Where in Max Holloway's top 10 is Max Holloway? Uh, you know, I just, you know, in my mind and stuff, like I, I said before, I was a champion before I got uh, before I got the belt. You know, the champion is just for, for you guys to, to understand that I'm a champion, you know, and that's what I needed to do. And, you know, in my mind, I'm the number one pound to pound guy. That's the way it should be, you know. If, if you're not thinking that way, then you're in the wrong sport. You know, it's time to get out. It's not it's not going to be good for you. So, in my mind, I like to believe that I'm the best, you know. And then that, that's just the way you got to go, you know. That's the, that's the mindset I have. It's not, I'm not knocking nobody. I'm not knocking anything. But that's just the, the way I need to carry myself to get to the goals that I want to accomplish. I love that. I love that. Absolutely. When you look at this rematch now with Poirier, I mean, everyone's looking at it on paper and you go, okay, that, that's that's hot fire. That's going to be action. But, mm -hmm. hey, man, the reason why you got to this point is you're smart enough to make adjustments. Not every fight has to be as tough as it can be. Well, how do you see this playing out? Could this be more of a chess match? Or is this going to be hot fire for two and a half rounds for as long as it lasts? Hey, tune in. Tune in. We see. I got, I got a... I got some new tricks up my sleeve for this one, so it's going to be an exciting night. You guys don't want, don't want to miss it. Now, can I? Can we get? We haven't heard you talk about the Tenth Island in a long time. That was becoming your catchphrase for a while, Max. <laughs> yeah, the tenth, the Tenth Island is in, 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 in it was Canada. You know, they love me there. I'm an, I'm an honorary, uh, honorary Canadian, eh? You know, they, <laughs> they love me out there. I love them out there. You know. Um, uh, and it, and it's just it's just amazing to have the, that kind of support. You know, I won the interim there. I defended once there. It, it's great. You know, I, I love that place. You know, hopefully they 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 take me back there. But that, that's for the summer. You know, the, the cold is is cold. <laughs> <laughs> is Atlanta gonna get an eleventh island shout out here on two thirty six? We see what happens. We see we see how how they embrace me and stuff. You know, you never know. You never know what happens. It'd be fun. All right, Max, considering that lightweight could be your new division and that there's two men in there, it's Connor and Habib who make the most headlines in there, and this week they're really in the headlines for the Twitter exchange that has a lot of people feeling like maybe we are going too far when it comes to building up fights with trash talk. Mm -hmm. What was your take on the back and forth that crossed into talking about people's wives, crossed into talking about religion? Yeah, you know, my, my take was just like, that's not even part of the sport anymore. So, you know, I'm not trying to listen to that. Uh, I, I'm happy. I saw Dana White talk about that he's going to intervene and stuff. You know, smart move on them. You know, these guys got platforms. You know, I was like, you should be talking about more important stuff. You know, I'm here in New York. And, uh, you know, let's talk about climate change. Because right now it's not supposed to be this cold is what a lot of New York <laughs> people is telling me at this around time. And uh, I know I know in Hawaii that uh, it's pretty cold too there too. It's supposed to be warmer already. So I don't get it, you know. Climate change is real, guys. Let's, let's focus on real life matter changing stuff, you know, and, and, and do that. Do your research. No doubt about it. Uh, Max, you're only uh, 27 still. I don't know how that's possible considering the, the win streak you're on. If you win this interim title, I mean, this is getting into champ champ territory. Do you think about things like legacy already? You're not even pushing 30, bro. Do you already think about, hey, 
I've already got a, I mean, people already were saying, are you the greatest featherweight of all time? How much do you think about that when you look at the fights that you're going to accept next and you look at what you put together on your resume? It's legacy fights, man. Legacy fights. I said it earlier, you know. Um, I, you know, the belts is cool and all and, and everything, but it's his legacy, you know. I want, I want something to leave behind that nobody's ever going to take away from me, and that's the legacy, so... It's all it's all legacy from here, man. You know, whoever, you know, my 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 goal is to be a UFC champion. You know, I did that. Now it's not. Now my next goal is to be the number one pound for pound in the world and and stay there for a while. So we're on to the next challenge. All right, I gotta ask you about little little blessed is the man. I mean, this guy. Every time we see him uh-huh. showed up, it's fantastic. Uh, what are you hoping to to hand off to him when it comes to the father son relationship? What, when he sees you do work, when he sees you in the cage and how you carry yourself, what are you hoping that he inherits from you? I just want to make a, a little a little respectful human being, you know, a, a respectful person. I just want him to be respectful and uh, and also have confidence, you know, have confidence in whatever he do. I, I don't care what he does, if he fights. I pray to God he doesn't fight. You know, hopefully he can become a doctor. I told him he needs to take care of me when I get older. <laughs> And, um, you know, we, I just want him to be a confident, young, respectful man. That's what I want him to do. You know, I have, have that, have a, just an awesome dude running around and knowing that, uh, whatever he want to do, he can go do, go, go achieve it and, uh, go kill it. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, to close here, Max, as we're all fired up for 236 in Atlanta, Dustin Poirier, ESPN plus pay-per-view, all that good stuff there. I know you want to fight in Hawaii. When are we going to get you to headline the uh, Aloha Stadium? I know you always tell Dana about that. He knows you want it. We know you want it. When are we going to see this? Hey, hey. Maybe the, maybe the, the you know, everybody keep calling me that uh, I have the chance to be a champ champ. Actually, I'm making history. I'm going to be the first champ I champ. And uh, <laughs> maybe the champ I champ get what he wants. So, First things first, we handle business next week, Saturday, and then uh, we demand the UFC Hawaii or else. Or else. Take that. You hear that, Dana? (laughs) Or else. Hey, Max, great (laughs) chatting with you. As always, you represent this sport as well as anyone else. Best of luck, UFC 236 in Atlanta, April 13th. Can't wait, brother. Nah, thank you guys for having me, man. You guys have a good day. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Wow, bros. I'm fired up here, all right? Max is a good dude. He's a great interview. I love his honesty and what he basically broke down there was, yeah, 2018 was a hell year before that Ortega fight. The depression was real. 
the uncertainties of health was real, especially in July when he pulled out of that first Ortega fight. But like we've talked about, you want to talk about a bounce back in the way that he fought against Ortega. Now, he's too much of a competitor. If UFC's going to call him and say, we've got the interim title fight for you at lightweight if you want it, he's going to take it. And when he tells you, brah, I think I'm the pound for pound king right now. I sat there and thought about it, and I'm like, John Jones is the greatest of all time. I still think John Jones is the greatest right now in the pound for pound king. But, Max, you got a hell of an argument. I mean, what if he walks through Poirier and knocks him out and becomes kind of a one and a half champ champ? I mean, this guy is on a run right now. I picked against him most of that run. He won me over. Tell me a reason why he's not in this conversation for pound for pound king. Hmm. I don't know if I can give you one because he's beaten Aldo twice. He beat Ortega when we tried to build up Ortega as being a crazy tough challenge for him, which he kind of was, but it was more just because his chin just would not let him fall. Um, yeah, his run is one of the most impressive we've seen in recent history. I mean, he's on a 13 fight winning streak now. Like it's unreal to think about it and to think that he came up through the business. Like, he didn't come up through another organization. No, he's been with UFC since just about day one. And he started in this business when he was 20 years old. BC, this guy's my age. Just think about that for a second. He's my age. <laughs> and he's already accomplished so much in this sport. Like He's building a hell of a legacy. And like you said, he took those early L's, which a lot of these... I mean, look, it's, it's very rare to have a run where you go unbeaten to a title and you stay that way. He took those early L's against guys who turned out to be really, really good. And he learned from them, and he evolved. And he's not just a pressure fighter. He's not just a dude with a backbone. He's kind of become a, a perfect fighter. I think that at 155, he's going to be even better. Not having to make that hellacious weight cut. He has long arms. He has quick hands. He's got pop. I know lightweight's an all-killer division. Like I didn't think lightweight needed him. But now I really want Lightweight to want him. And I'm entering this fight against Poirier, which is a tough fight. Poirier has evolved in his own way as, as well. Comes in at angles. Isn't as easy to hit. But Poirier is always going to be vulnerable. And I think Max showed me something against Ortega. It was the final nail in the stop betting against this guy, Coffin. Uh, the sky's the limit here on Max. And it's really fun to watch because he's such a good dude. So this is the thing, though. Again, now that we're actually here and it looks like this is going to happen, we hope just, again, knock on wood like we do every week with UFC pay-per-view main events. We don't know till it's in the ring, till they hit the octagon. Um, what happens if Poirier wins? You have a champion coming off a loss and now an interim champion in another division. It just well, – for easy. UFC's business, it's in the best interest for Max to win. Poirier winning it creates so many more problems. Well, it's not, I don't know if it does create a ton of problems. Let's be honest here. If Max loses, and, it, and it's a clean loss, he just wasn't, you know, he got knocked out or whatever, still the featherweight champion, still going to go down and defend it, right? So from UFC standpoint, not the end of the world. And then Poirier, I, I don't see him as a future champion. I see him as a certainly a strong title contender, but he now gets the interim title, which sets him up to fight Habib. And that'll be a fun and, and hellacious great fight. So I don't think you can lose right now at lightweight if you're UFC. Like, this is greedy putting Max in this mix. 
But we also still haven't seen UFC have to deal with this problem yet, right? Because we thought they were going to have to deal with it with TJ Dillashaw, but they kind of backed into a way out of that by him failing a drug test. So I don't know how you deal with a champion coming off a loss here. Well, it, it ruined me, BJ Penn at lightweight, if we're being honest, right? I, I, I just don't know. It's it's going to be a tough sell to me if you have Max Holloway going back to 145 when he probably should be staying at 155 no matter what. I think the uh, the new ownership kind of has just shown they are, don't really care anymore about that. <laughs> They're kind of just going to make make these fights and like Brian or like Brian saying it's so clogged at 155 that they could really do whatever they want. Like I think Holloway can be such a force at 55 if he puts on just a little bit of muscle. And I mean he's 5'11, he's 27 years old. So he's still super young. I would love to see him against the top top guys in 155. I would the, love to see him versus Tony Ferguson. Well, I got news it, for both of you. Michael, you're going to see him against the best at 155. Brandon, you got nothing to worry about about what happens if he loses. Guys, he's not going to lose. I love me some Dustin Poirier, but you can get that man into a brawl. You can get that man off of his game plan. Yes, he's super tough, but he can be stopped. He can be hit. He can be thrown off. Max is too accurate and has a great chin. And I know that this is lightweight now, but Poirier is also a guy who moved up in weight the same direction that Max is doing now. Max is going to win this fight. And maybe we're going to exit this fight saying maybe he really is the pound for pound king. War Max. War. War Max, bros. I'm late to the party. I'm so damn late to the party. War Max. I, I think Max has one of the best fight IQs. I think he's the way that he fights his fights. I feel like he's never out of his game plan and out of what him and his coaches want to do in that fight. And I think that's what makes him so elite against these guys that he's just dominating. I think that I don't want to say you're shortchanging Poirier here because what you said is all accurate. I, I can't dispute any of that. But at the same time, man, Dustin Poirier and that road that that guy has traveled to get here to finally be here on the cusp of winning a championship belt of some kind with this company. That story is just going to be so great to tell if he does pull this off, because he's like you said, BC, he's such a nice guy and he's he gets it. He gets what this is all about. And to that point, his last four fights, fight of the night, fight of the night, performance of the night. Just knockout, knockout, submission, decision against Jim Miller, whatever. But he's been on a roll. And this man, like like you said, this division is all killer, no filler. I don't know if Max is going to be ready for that here. I hope he is. I hope this delivers in the way that we expect it to, where it's just a damn brawl for five rounds. But at the same time, I'm still so questionable about Max. Like, the, the the health stuff is real, man. Like like you said with his depression that he was going through, that's real. That's scary to me. Like what his brain probably looks like in a CTE monitor oh, at this how point. How dare you? What? We're how not, dare me? What? I'm not supposed to think about that, bro. Okay. What? But I'm saying though, hold on. I, I'm saying though, he might be one punch away from like getting knocked out like legitimately and then – we're like really worried about his health again. It's like, 
that's the kind of stuff that makes me worried about picking him in any fight is that it always feels like he's just one knockout away from us being like, oh, damn, he, he's, in pro- he's in trouble here. And the reason why we had that fear, by the way, was let's not forget there were interviews, multiple interviews, 10th Island baby interviews where it just got like <laughs> – what, is there something wrong with this guy? Like, this is just isn't making sense. The Bisping interview, of course, on Fox. I didn't hear that anymore. I didn't hear that this time around. I, I he, he had a superhuman chin against Ortega. He had t- crazy toughness. Yes, it, it can all add up, right? I mean, we just we just said, hey, did that happen to Eddie Alvarez? But he's 35. Max 27, still in the midst of that prime. I see this train rolling on, bro. What do you what do you think about the rematch? This will be his first rematch of his career. Um, the other loss is Connor and Dennis Bermudez. He never fought them again. Um, what do you think about that? The mindset going into this fight. You know, you heard him say that, and from the standpoint of that's so long ago. Like that's a different fighter, Poirier, a different fighter. It's almost a different era in UFC. If we really want to break it down, I don't think there's much you can take from that. You know, I mean, that was we talk about how different Max is from the Conor McGregor fight from 2013. Um, wasn't the Poirier fight like even three or four fights before that for Max? Yeah, 20, uh, 2012. 2012, February 4th. I mean, he had three wins and a loss, meaning Max, after the Poirier loss, before the Conor loss. So it's it's so long ago that it's, it was Max's featherweight debut. It was his UFC debut. It was a first-round submission loss. I almost feel like that never happened. So how you know this is this isn't the traditional rematch run it back system to the point where let's I'm going to be really honest with you as an MMA fan and journalist when this fight was announced and it was a rematch of the I was like wait what and then I go oh wait yeah okay okay yeah I knew Max did have the third loss yeah that was Poirier holy crap and I remember the build to that fight remember on ESPN's MMA Live Mike we had we they had they they had Max on early back in those days early in his career because he had come in with a decent amount of uh of name value coming out of Hawaii as potentially a next big thing guy and and he did absorb some early losses but uh man that's another time and place wait. I'm looking at that fight card from that night, UFC 143, and I see a name that you might remember. It's in WWE right now. Matt Riddle? Oh, Is that yeah. the same guy? Oh, yep. yeah, dude. Matt Riddle just had a giant match at uh, NXT on, on Friday night, WWE's like AAA organization. He is like one of the hottest things going in, in wrestling in terms of like a guy who's going to be a future star, and he does the barefoot MMA fighter gimmick. He does the bro gimmick. He's the ultimate the original bro is his nickname. He comes in, fights with his sandals on, flips him up in the air. Um, he's amazing as a wrestler, and it's an incredible story because we know that he got cut from UFC on a four-fight win streak because he could stop popping for weed. And Dana White had that famous quote of saying he'll never do anything with his career after this and all that. And uh, we had him on the wrestling podcast a couple months ago, and man, did he cut a promo on Dana White, which is basically like, look at me now. And uh, this has been an interesting turnaround. I mean, he was a good MMA fighter was certainly not great, and he did take some damage in some of his losses. And uh, wow, he's he's on the he's on the fast track to stardom. He wants Lesnar big time. He was rocking around WrestleMania with a uh, two liter jug of milk, and just like <laughs> like sloppily drinking it. I don't know what the what the hook what the hook on there was, but you know whatever. God. Can you guess at all what the main event of UFC 143 was? Uh, no. Carlos Condit defeats Nick Diaz by a unanimous decision. Wow. That's like, you were talking about another era. That's another era of <laughs> fighting right there. That's, wow. 
All right, that's the main event. Uh, Brando, are you are you going to make the pick? Are you leaning? I know you're saying this is a day more dangerous match than I am because I'm now buying all in on the Max Holloway stock. Are you going to predict here? Dustin Poirier wins or what? I don't think I've got it in me to pick him. I really, I want to see him like for personal reasons, see Poirier win just because I think that that's going to, that would be such a cool moment for him. But I do think Max will grind out a decision victory. I don't think this is going to be a KO. I think both dudes are going to come well prepared. Chins are going to be on display as they try to land incredible shots. I think Max gets a, a unanimous decision win though. And before we preview this interim middleweight title bout, our own Eric Caselius of CBS Sports HQ, who was filling in for Bill Ryder, got a chance to chat with Gaslam about this Adesanya bout, about everything that's at stake. Of course, Bill Ryder, host of Ryder's Block. You can catch that daily on CBS Sports HQ. Eric got a chance to catch up with Kelvin. You're going to hear that right now. Check it out. Enjoy. A week from Saturday, he's going to get it on with Israel Adesanya. He's the underdog, but he is a very confident, very live underdog, and this is going to be a war. So, Kelvin, welcome in. How are you, bud? Why don't you tell me about this fight from your perspective? I mean, I can read the previews and stuff, but as the guy who's going to go in there and get going, what are your what's your impressions of this fight as we lead up? Well, thanks for having me on, first of all. And, um, man, this is going to be a fun, uh, fun, tough fight. You know, this is a fight that uh, the fans are going to enjoy a lot just because of the styles. You know, Israel's a, a very elusive uh, striker, and I'm just a, a boxer wrestler. Um, I'm 5'9", he's 6'4", with an 80-inch reach, so I got a tough task ahead of me, man. What are you most concerned about? Like, when you're training for this fight, what are you focusing on to make sure that that's not the thing that beats you, considering the fact that you've already told me, you look, different styles, 6'4", 5'9". I mean, when you get him on the ground, you're not going to be worried about that, but to make sure that you get him in the position that you want to get him in. Yeah, well, for the most part, we focus on myself and what I'm going to do in the fight. But obviously, we make little strategies. We pay attention to what he brings to the table, and uh, we adjust around that. But for the most part, I focus on myself and what I'm going to do in the fight. You know, obviously, he brings some very uh, specific set of skills. He's a great kickboxer, uh, uses his range really well, very elusive. And so we're going to have to we're going to have to go in there and just, man, get in there, get under him and, and close that distance that he likes to use. You know, he's a very long guy. He likes to use that long distance and keep his opponents at that distance and so my job is to close that distance and, and, and get up under him all right now if you look at the Vegas odds he's the favorite is that fair in your mind and what's your reaction to that man this has been the uh, storybook uh, of my career man I've been an underdog for most of my fights you know most people count me out before the fight even happens and uh my job is to go in there and spoil the the moment, you know. For the most part, people count me out because of my height, because I'm such a small middleweight. Uh, people don't believe that I can uh, accomplish these things, but you know, I've risen through the I've risen through the rankings, fighting some of the best fighters in the world, fighting former champions, and I don't think uh, Israel has fought the guys that I fought. He hasn't been through that line of fire. He hasn't fought anybody in the top five of the rankings and. Uh, you know, this this is going to be a step up in competition for him. He's undefeated, very hyped up, 
but he hasn't fought the level of competition that I have. And, and this, this step up in competition, I feel like it's going to be a little overwhelming for him. Do you think he's going to take you for granted? Yes. Yes, I do. I think he, he is overlooking me. He feels like he's going to steamroll through me. But, uh, you know, if you look at my record, you look at my track record of the people that I've fought, nobody has ever steamed through me. You know, nobody has ever rolled through me ever. And, uh, you know, he's going to have some problems. All right. Now, I looked at your bio, and I, one thing that stood out to me that was interesting, it said strengths, right? And you would think, oh, wrestling, grappling, this or that. Yours said mm -hmm. one word. The one word said heart. That's all it said. Your only said heart. Why is it? What, how do you define that? What do you mean? I mean, don't they all, all these guys have heart? Why is your heart bigger, stronger, <laughs> more just fortuitous? Why, why is it that your strength compared to everybody else? Well, I just feel like um, I want it more. You know what I mean? And that's what sets me apart from from a lot of these guys. You know, I'm not the I'm not the most physically gifted guy. I'm not the biggest guy. I'm not the strongest guy or the fastest guy or the most technical guy. My what sets me apart is my will to win and 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 my heart. Okay. When you are now right here, nine days away from fight day. What's the what's it going to be like over these nine days? Like, how do you train? How do you make sure that a week from Saturday you are at your peak? You don't peak too early. You don't peak too late. You know, for those people who like want to do this or are in training, what's it going to be like over these nine days to make sure that you're your sharpest when you need to be? Yeah, it's not. Um, we're just going to focus on not doing too much. You know, now we're we're settling in and we're peaking our body and uh, making sure we don't too much now. I don't want to burn myself out. Uh, but I still got to make sure I, I stay sharp for the fight. And um, next few days, this whole week that's coming up, I'm training regular. I'm training my regular schedule. But then the fight week, the following week, will be kind of more relaxed. You know, uh, I still train throughout the week, but but I'm still, you know, it's it's not the same. Are you at we, the we Are you at weight right now, or do you still need to cut weight? I'm pretty close to weight right now. Okay. I like to keep it like that these days, <laughs> close to the weight. <laughs> now, I also noticed one other thing from the bio. You were a bail bondsman before you did this? Like, people are trying to run from you? Like, have you ever, I mean, what's the worst it ever got from some fugitive who thought he was dealing with Dog the Bounty Hunter and not a UFC <laughs> champion? Yeah, man. Um, you know, I, I come from a small town, a small city, so for the most part, it doesn't get too crazy, um, but I'll, I'll tell you one story. Like there's these two, there was these two brothers that uh, we bailed out of jail, and, and and it was a very high-profile bond. It was a lot of money on stake, on the uh, at stake, and um, these guys failed to appear at court. You know, after they failed to appear at court, you get a warrant issued out for your arrest. So now our job is to get these guys back in jail, or we lose the money that. The, for the bond, which was way over $50,000. And so now our job is to go and find these guys, these two brothers, uh, and they're criminals. They're considered armed and dangerous. And so somehow my boss was able to get the girlfriend of one of the guys to come into the office and pretty much uh, set them up, man. I mean, uh, we set them up at a gas station. She was going to drive up to a gas station. Uh, she was going to go inside, pay for the gas, and then we were going to roll up. 
and I was one of the drivers, so my my adrenaline's pumping. We got our bulletproof vests on, and as soon as the girl went inside of the, the convenience store to pay for the gas, we rolled up. I pressed on the gas, and uh, kind of felt like a drug bust, man. It was funny. We got, <laughs> got the guns drawn, telling them to get on the floor, and uh, they're under arrest. All right, so you got in the UFC because you needed a less violent, less dangerous way to make a living. I see this now. All right, great. Uh, if, I, <laughs> if I said to you, who is on your Mount Rushmore all time for UFC? You get four spots. Who would it be for you? Who's Kelvin's Mount Rushmore? Oh, wow. I don't think I've ever been asked that question, but I feel like for sure, George St. Pierre's got to be at that, at that one. Hoist Gracie's got to be at that at that Mount Rushmore. Um, man, guys like BJ Penn have to be there. Matt Hughes have to be there. You know, there's some, there's some, some guys that I look up to a lot. There you go. There's your four. Well, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. I love the story of you as a bail bondsman. Good luck. And now <laughs> you, you got a fan now. I'm on your side. I'm on the team. I'm rooting for Kelvin. Thanks, bud. Uh, Broski's great fight. Great fight. Because I'm going to go on record for again and tell you this. I don't think Israel Adesanya moved his stock forward in the way that he beat Anderson Silva. I got into a big debate with MMA journalist Luke Thomas about this, who has watched the tape like the Zapruder film and break down all the subtle little things that the last stylebender does. And he does do some brilliant, subtle little things. But I saw a guy in that third round against Silva who was either showing too much respect for an aging legend or who had tasted the power around before and said, you know what, F this. I'm not becoming a highlight reel knockout loss to a 43-year-old legend. I'm just going to make sure I win this. Guys, it was a lateral step win. And because of that, and because of the danger Kelvin Gastelum has with that rocket left hand, this right here is a 50-50 fight, and I love it. You really think it's 50-50, huh? You're damn right I do. See, I still can't get on the Kelvin Gastelum train, man. As for as much as we talked about, we think that that Israel might not be ready for the moment. He didn't give us what we wanted against Anderson Silva. He might have shown him too much respect. I just still think he's such a different level from Kelvin Gastelum. Like, Gastelum has just still not impressed me enough. And the fact that he didn't fight on that card against um, Robert Whitaker probably doesn't help because I still haven't seen him show me anything. He just sat in the, in the crowd and stole Henry Cejudo's belt to make <laughs> himself look like he's the champion. So... I need to see it from Kelvin Gastelum before I'm ready to give him any kind of credit in the, going into this fight or after this fight. Well, because you're not wrong questioning him wise, okay? He's not a perfectly complete fighter, but I think when you match up with the questions we still have about Adesanya, Adesanya more skilled, but we got to see if he can do it on this level. Did Gastelum deserve the title shot last time against Whitaker? No. But right now, this is a pretty damn good fight when you look at the type of opponents Adesanya has risen against and beaten, right? You, you look at the Brunsons, you look at the, uh, uh, the Brad Tavares's, and now, now old Andy Silva, and now we're going to Gaslam for the interim title. They both have a lot to prove in this fight, and you can't tell me that for as much as Gaslam has holes, for as much as he's got this or that, He's got that left hand, dude. And that left hand could take out any middleweight in the world. It can. I just don't think he's going to get in range with him. That's the thing. Like, it, Israel's game is range and kickbox. And I'm going to stay away. From, I'm not going to let you get that close to me to land that kind of bomb on me. So I just don't see it being useful here because unless Kelvin comes in really cut, really lean for this fight, 
he's going to get cardioed by Israel here. Like Israel's going to keep this fight at distance. He doesn't need to look impressive to win the belt. That's the thing. He's getting his shot here. So to me, Israel, his game plan needs to be just play it smart and play it smooth because he wins here. He's getting that shot against Robert Whitaker to be crowned the the unified champion. And he's he getting that, an interim belt here. Didn't he say this week that they're talking about? I mean, it may have been today on the aerial show that I read. Didn't he say that they're talking about this fight for Australia later later in the summer, later August? Right. Yeah, they want they want to try and do a quick re turnaround, I guess. Or uh, August isn't quick turnaround, but yeah, they're they're looking to go back to Australia to try and make this happen and. Good God, Robert Whitaker, go into the bubble now because every time you try to fight in Australia, it doesn't work out. <laughs> well, look, to your point on a lot of things there, Gastelum's going to have to make this a rough fight. He's going to have to go for the knockout to have success in this. And that, that's sure. He can't win a points battle here. He's going to have to set up an attacking counter shot and try to lure Izzy in. Are, are you basically trying to say to me that the things I saw as a negative against Silva, the decision maybe to play a points fight win and use the length and the speed advantage, is something that he can do all night against Gastelum and sort of cruise into a, a real title shot if he wants to? I think so. I Because to me, like, we have all the, we like I said, we criticized him. I, I went after Israel after that fight because I was just like, dude, you didn't, you, you couldn't knock out at Anderson Silva at this point, like, washed Anderson Silva. I was so, like, just disappointed in how he looked. But at the same time, it got him the title fight that he's been dying for. So at this point, why take a huge risk against Kelvin Gastelum and leave yourself exposed to one of those heavy punches from Kelvin when you can just play it safe, keep the distance, maybe you land your crazy head kick? Because again, we can say that he didn't look impressive, but he did try to do some cool things against Anderson. Like he tried to do the spinning hook kick to the back of the head. It just missed. He tried. He His speed was still there with those roundhouse kicks. They just didn't land on Anderson because Anderson was still able to stick and move out of the way. I just don't see the reasoning for him to go out there, try and impress everybody by highlight reel knocking out Kelvin Gastelum when he's already guaranteed a title shot if he wins this fight. That's interesting. I hope that for Gastelum's sake, he does have that 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 game plan, that mindset of uh, I got to try to take him down if I can. But if not, I got to be that counter puncher and I got to land something big. I've got to hurt him. I've got to try to change the momentum of this fight. It's not a fight on paper. It would look like Gastelum could win a decision unless something dramatic can happen. But we've always said about Adesanya, if there's a weakness, it's probably going to be wrestling. And Brunson thought he could take him down and that that didn't happen. Adesanya's takedown defense was strong. Can Gastelum take this fight to the ground, though, Brando? That could be a key, man. It could be. I, I don't know. I just don't see it happening. I, I just, I'm not in on the Kelvin Gastelum train. I, I've been off this train for a while. I, I mean, when your best win is against Michael Bisbing, who was coming off of a three weeks notice <laughs> from getting his butt kicked by GSP, uh, I, I just can't get behind you, man. I'm sorry. What round did Rosie find at WrestleMania there, Derek. She broke her right hand, by the way. She broke her right hand. She's going to be out for a while. On um, this card, it, it, it's top-heavy, but there's some fights that I like, guys. This is going to be a bang-fest at light heavyweight when Eric Anders and Khalil Roundtree Jr. face off. I know Roundtree coming off that loss to Johnny Walker uh, Johnny Walker Circus Clown, but uh, that's one of those sort of fun. Alan Jubain comes back at welterweight against Dwight Grant. I mean, we got OSP on the main card. You're, you're always going to get some OSP action, but what do you think about my guy, the Tarantula, Jalen Turner, making news? Make fighting active here too very active coming back here in the prelim card espn main event against matt frivola i love me some jalen turner 
you I you know what's funny is I was thinking about when we were gonna do this show this week, like over the weekend, and for some reason you saying Al, uh Jalen the the damn tarantula turner fighting like got stuck in my head like repeatedly. I don't know why, but I was just like, God, that guy's actually fighting again this week. I hope for him he does well because he's he's been on one of those rocky roads too, right? Where he needs he needs to get a big win and get back to like pay per view main cards instead of prelim and early prelim fights. Guy's a six foot three lightweight. You know I'm going to be in on freaks of nature like that. <laughs> guy's fun to watch too. Uh, any other fights on here jump out, you guys? I know that you, uh, you Brandon, you do fancy yourself a big uh, Curtis Melender fan. He'll be taking on Bilal Muhammad in that uh, fight pass main event. Fight pass is still a thing apparently. Well, this is also the first one for the the ESPN edition of these pay-per-views, so I'm interested to see how this all looks in general. But, yeah, dude, that fight is going to bang. Like, I've, I'm a pretty big Bilal Muhammad fan, too, because that dude just goes out there, guns blazing, keeps his chin out a little bit too far, probably for my liking, but he will throw bombs at you, and Curtis Melender is not one to be trifled with either. So I, I that that's going to be a really good fight if you're interested to stick around to the early portions of the card. And uh, our boy Andre Sukumta is back against Montel Jackson, last seen against Sugar Shane O'Malley. You heard it right here. Boston Salmon on this card. This that's Boston a, that's Salmon. That's the best name. That's, that's seriously, not come bad. on. He'll be fighting Khalid Taha at Bantamweight this weekend. Atlanta 236 again. Many thanks to Max Holloway and Kelvin Gastelum for joining the show. Many thanks to you for listening this week to the State of Combat. Uh, broskies, uh, I'm fired off to be in Atlanta this weekend. This is a look. These are fun-ass fights. Do what you want with the interim title business. Kevin and I only tried to challenge Dana that time. I still think it's a, it's kind of a crappy decision. Can there be an in-between, guys? Instead of the idea that you actually get a full championship belt as the interim champion, why can't they get a jacket or a ring or something that just says you get the next title shot, right? A crown, something that you hand off. Like, what's it, what do they do in Survivor? Human. They have that necklace in Survivor. Can you just bring yep. that out and be like, You've got next. I mean, the number one contender chain. Yeah, we'd pop for that. We'd we, we'd be down for that, right? A pair of glasses, something. Bring a, a, a C ring, something, guys. Bring it out. Put it on. I mean, come on. I can't have Car- Carlos Condit was never the welterweight champion. All right, Shane Carwin never the heavyweight champion. Right, right. Go get uh John Cena's uh that bolt neck chain that he used to wear when he was the doctor of thugonomics. Well, I saw that he made that main appearance this weekend say, too. I know you hate wrestling, but you didn't watch WrestleMania when he came back as the 40 uh, year old, 41 year old doctor of thugonomics. I did not, but that's like peak wrestling for me when that guy was doing all those crazy things. BC, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I want to talk about our sparring match. Why are you still avoiding this? You all keep right. avoiding me on Twitter. You don't want to talk about it. Why are we not doing this? All right. I am telling you right now. Okay. I just came off a, I don't know, six-day trip in New York for WrestleMania. Ate all kinds of gross things. I'm probably uh, probably about 223 right now. And I'm not talking about Brooklyn with the dolly through the window. I'm talking about my weight. I'm about to get serious about life, all right? I'm about to do this thing. All right. What, what are we doing today? 205? Do I need to cut all the way? You're going to make me do that? Well, if I'm coming – if I get down to, to just – 215, 215 pounds of uh, of uh, shredded cheese and sex appease. Um, what are you going to be? What, do you, what What's your fighting weight here? What are you down to now? So I will meet you wherever I need to meet you. 215 is what you said? I, I probably, I'll probably, yeah, I'll probably be in right around 215. 
right, Mikey, you've got all of this information. You Wait, need what to are you get at right now? What are you at right now? Two fifty? Me? What are you like? No, six I'm... seven two fifty? <laughs> I'm at about two forty four. That's the last time when I weighed myself. So that's another thirty pounds I'm coming down for you. Uh, I I can't make you cut to two fifteen. I don't think that's <laughs> Mikey. What's this you guy don't... gonna look like at two fifty? Big shredded. It will look like TRT Vitor. Yeah. You, you don't know, want these problems. You know what? I might, I might want to just fight him at, at open weight heavyweight. That might give me a. That might you know. What if I can get down and get get quick at my old age right here? All right. How are you? To... How are you going to be quick at two thirty? No, you. If you're at two fifty six and I'm coming at a at a slim two fifteen, I might I might I might have some speed there. So we're gonna have to see what this ends up. But look, you t- you 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 run your mouth on Twitter. I I can't back down on my own show from this challenge. I will spar you three rounds, Mikey. Are you gonna be in my corner? Are you gonna be the referee? What are we doing here? Oh, I'm in on whatever you guys want. A special Mikey, a special Mikey's guest referee. Refer- special guest referee would be awesome as long as I get the shirt. Yeah. I'm coming in. For- I'm coming in full ah. WWE style <laughs> if I'm repping this match. All we right, need where, stakes, though. We need stakes, though. Uh, stakes and weights. Where are we doing this? In, in South Florida? In a, in a gym? Uh, Masvidal said we could use his backyard. Oh, God. 16-ounce gloves, mouthpiece, and headgear, right? Three rounds? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Three, who's wait, wait, wait. But three three-minute rounds? Three three-minute rounds, yep. I think we should do, like, five one-minute rounds. I think that's better for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we're going to need judges, we're going to need a referee, and we're going to need trainers, okay? I, I will figure out all of this. Look at Wise is like, we don't need no sticky judges. <laughs> it's not going to the scorecards. All right, you, you're making me get serious about life here. I, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I am going to, yeah, it's time to get shredded. It's time to get back in the game. It's time to teach you a lesson, be wise. It's shredded season, boy. That's what I'm talking about. Man, I can smell that. There's a beautiful aroma that arouses me. All right, all right. It's shredded season. Shout out to the listeners. State of Combat 236 this weekend. We'll hit you back with the results and where we are going in the future. Uh, Broski, you got anything to say to the listeners? Anything? We out. We out.